0: So, Paul and Jor, and, and we have a burning question for you. Does your significant other, does your spouse check your shoes after you come in the house to make sure that you're wearing indoor shoes and that you, for God's sake, did not bring your outdoor shoes into the house? I didn't know this was a thing, but, but lately, my wife, Lori... Uh, my wife of 37 years, but it's become more of a thing lately. Is uh, hey, take off your shoes, leave them in the mudroom, and you know, change into something else to to walk around the house. But she has a good
1: reason, right? There's study to back this up. Well, for her,
0: I think it was more just tracking mud and and possibly dog poop into the house, right? And and we have some carpets and. Be nice not to have dog poop in your nice living room carpet. I can't imagine that would be a, a feature. Mm-hmm. That would be a good thing. But now there's new studies that suggest that the indoor air quality is affected by what you have on the bottom of your shoes when you come back inside the house. Just from walking around on the lawn, pesticides, chemicals on your lawn, but especially on the streets, oils, contaminants, um Weird chemicals, man made chemicals, that for many people might be harmless, but for people that are immunocompromised, maybe have some sort of a respiratory disease, even asthma, that they could be more at risk. Just the stuff on the bottom of your shoes, over time it builds up. And I know, you know, most of us clean our floors and vacuum, and that gets most of it, but it did make me think about what I'm tracking into the house. This is not an issue for you, right, Jure?
1: Of course it is. Yeah. Well, that's why we have a mudroom. That's why when we moved to this house, I wanted to make a big mudroom so I never see dirty shoes, their backpacks, whatever, in the kitchen, which of course still happens. But um, like if the kids or someone casual or they're having friends are coming over, they'll usually enter through the mudroom, through the garage, and they'll take off their shoes you know, we have a carpet in there, wipe off your feet, take off your shoes and come in the house. But like if I'm having a dinner party, or if I'm having grown ups over that enter through the front door, I don't always make them take their shoes off. You know, if somebody dressed up to come to my house, I'm not going to make them walk around in their stocking feet. So again, we have a rug by the front entrance, they can wipe their feet and come in the house and they don't have to uh, take it off. But you know, that's for a party or for you know an event, something like that, but certainly the kids and I and handsome husband, we take our shoes off when we when we come in the house and that's especially in this season because it 's brutal and it 's muddy and it 's miserable uh with you know the wet and the melting, so certainly this season is definitely time to take it off, but I get it, and for lots of cultures it 's a respect thing in the Asian cultures, as David was explaining to us earlier you You have another set of shoes that are your indoor shoes or your host or hostess will have another set of shoes, slippers or whatnot, that you can wear in their home. Um, And you mentioned also in the Arab cultures that, you know, showing the bottom of your shoes or throwing a shoe at somebody is a very big insult.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But but this study, I mean, it talked about cancer causing toxins from asphalt road residue. Stuff I'd never thought about. You know, you're you're walking around on the highways and on the sidewalks, and, and you don't know what you're stepping into. I think most of us, you know, are worried about dog poop, and rightfully so, but it's some hmm. of the other, I think, the man-made chemicals that are a bigger problem. Um, usually when people come over, I ask, we ask them to take their pants off. They can leave their shoes oh. on.
1: Oh, um, yeah. And, well, that's and what that, some of the texters say, and, and we've been yeah. asking for your calls and your texts. It's 651, is it four six one nine two two six? Is that our yes. number, David? Yeah, 651 uh, 461 Some of your texts are, are pretty funny. Um, I get it in the bad winter months. Snow, wet pavement, gravel, take off your shoes, or ask the host their preference. But what's next? Take off your clothes? Yes. Well, I guess I guess it's if a you're invited slippery to the slope, Douglas, Slippery slope. <laughs> people walk in oil mud gum etc shoes off in the house Hmm. and most of the texters say take the shoes off take the shoes off absolutely um yeah uh again this person oh that was about the finished comment sorry about that uh let's see we leave our shoes on a tray inside the front door i think i mentioned that before i've heard some people say that the only time you take your shoes off is in the house is when you shower now those are very clean um clean people and one of my favorite texts from earlier today said that oh, shoot now i'm gonna lose it hold on one sec oh my niece has a sign inside her front door that says unless you are jesus or george Strait, take off your shoes <laughs>
0: that's great that's
1: george Strait is really on a pedestal there
0: yeah wow that's good company to be with
1: eh? good <laughs> company that's right okay. amazing uh, let's break because we want to get an update. We heard that the school board gave their last or, you know, the, the uh, Minneapolis public schools gave their last and best offer to the teachers. So we want. Oh, that's at 530. We are going to talk with somebody from the teachers. um on on Teachers Strike at 5.30. But coming up next, it's also a school topic. We're going to talk with Zeke Jackson about PSEO, public education in public school education, um, university level, doing it in high school. There are legislative hearings, and we are now learning that kids are not being given the right or the option to do this in school. Zeke's going to talk with us next. Your student in high school can get university-level Credits and education that they don't have to pay for if they're enrolled in the PSEO program. When I found out about this, I said, oh, my kids are doing this. We have a raging problem with student debt in this country, but there are solutions if we only knew about them. This is free for all students. They can apply to any college. I'm talking from Normandale to the University of Minnesota. My oldest did this, got a a full year's worth of credits. That's money that I am saving now that she is at the University of Wisconsin uh, because I don't have to pay for those extra credits. She already got Mm -hmm. them while she was in high school, and they counted for high school. They counted for college, and I am so grateful to the PSEO program um, in this state that offers that. We are now learning a study – is showing that more than 60% of Minnesota school districts are not following the PSEO law. And what's the law, you ask? It means that the high schools have to let the kids know this option is available to them. It's just about awareness and letting them know, and it's not happening. This is terrible. So joining us now is Joe Nathan, who is the director for Center for School Change that PSEO is involved with, also Zeke Jackson. He was a former PSEO student. He's now at the University of Minnesota, and he is the author of this study. Joe and Zeke, welcome back to the show.
2: Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
1: You got it. So Zeke, this is very troubling. Share with us what your study showed and how you got it done.
2: Yeah, so this is building off research that the Center for School Change has uh, previously done. And so what we did is we looked at 390 different high school websites across the state um, to see whether they are sharing the information that the state law requires them to share with students. And so what we found is that only 60 percent, sorry, only 40 percent of the websites we studied are sharing that up-to-date information required by state law.
0: Good, great.
3: So, Jordana, here's here's the problem. If a website doesn't tell students that are 10th graders that they can take the course, then how do the 10th graders know it? If it doesn't tell students that they can take career and technical courses, how do they know it? If it doesn't tell them that they can use their school computers, they don't even actually have don't even actually have to go to a campus to take a credit college credit course they could actually Mm -hmm. be in their high school and use the computers but if the high school doesn't tell them then how do they know and that's the problem and it's the state law joe this is paul who has the obligation
0: to tell them within each school i understand about self interest right people do organizations do what's in their best interest is there a disincentive for schools not to tell kids that these things are available
3: paul thanks for the question the law is very clear that it is the responsibility of educators in this state. And this, by the way, has been reinforced for the last seven years by every commissioner of education for the last seven years, sending notes out to the directors of the, the superintendents and the charter school directors saying, This is your responsibility. So the dollars do follow the kids, but let's also remember that, that school districts have to pay for advanced placement, international baccalaureate, mm-hmm. college, and the schools. So, yes, there are there is some money involved, but it's money that was given by the legislature to the schools to educate the kids. And this is a state law.
0: Okay.
1: so there's and I just want everybody to be clear. Does it take money away from the public schools if the kid chooses to do PSEO? Because the kid's still enrolled in high school.
3: Yes, it does. And the dollars follow the kids. However, even if students take full-time courses at the University of Minnesota or another public college or a private college, some of them are involved in this too, even if they do it full-time, this high school continues to receive some money. So it doesn't take all of the money away. Plus, um, this has been a bipartisan issue since 1985 when the law was passed. We're delighted that we have now both Democrats and Republicans who are hearing bills, who are saying, yes, we believe in this program and we want to see this fixed.
0: Hey, Zeke, I'm, I'm just curious, were you surprised by the research that you did and and how did PSEO save you money at the University of Minnesota? Just curious.
2: Yeah, so um, we had heard from students and alumni for many years that high schools weren't doing the best job of sharing information Um so in that sense, uh, I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised uh, by the extent to which Ooh. schools were not following the state law. Um, mm. Personally, the PSEO program was really helpful for me. I come from a, a smaller rural town, Little Falls, Minnesota. And so um, PSEO was a way for me to save save time and money because I went into the PSEO program thinking I wanted to go into STEM. I wanted to study uh, biology or genetics or something like that. And I got to uh, have a volunteer position that I wouldn't have been able to get if I wasn't a PSEO student. Hey. And uh, mm. through that in, uh, that volunteer position, I learned that that wasn't the path I wanted to go down. And I switched to uh, more of a business and politics route now where I'm studying uh, political science and entrepreneurship. Wow. Okay. How many credits
1: did you get uh, for, through PSEO,
2: Zeke? I earned 57 uh, college credits before I graduated from high school. Holy cow.
1: How many semesters (laughs) is that?
2: That was four full-time semesters. Good for you. I
1: mean, unbelievable. Again, we have a problem with student debt, and there seems to be something that can help out. So this is part of the solution. That's why I'm such a huge fan. Um, And also, I have personal experience. By the way, gentlemen, my son just filled out his application for the U, so fingers crossed that (laughs) his... PSEO application. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get accepted. Now, there, there's legislation surrounding this, and I understand there was a hearing last Wednesday and there is a hearing this upcoming Wednesday. Joe, can you shed some light or, or Zeke on the legislation and what we should know as citizens?
2: Go ahead, Zeke. Yeah, so um, there are several barriers to uh, the PSEO program that we're trying to solve through this legislation. Um, The bill in question, you're right, it was heard last Wednesday. We're uh, testifying again this Wednesday to the Senate. Um, The bill does three things. It first removes uh, what we call the college gag rule. So under current state law, colleges actually aren't allowed to tell high school students that the PSEO program can save them money. Um, We're trying to eliminate that part so that colleges can share information uh, because high schools aren't. The second part of the bill um, intends to really... even the playing field, as far as uh, w- uh, grade weighting goes, uh, at some high schools, they have a system where if you're taking uh, more rigorous classes, then you can get a higher GPA um, for taking those classes. And so uh, a lot of high schools will weigh the grades of college in the schools or AP, to all their dual credit programs um, that are fantastic options, but they won't weigh the PSEO program. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times, um, students feel like this is coming back to this funding issue where that High schools are kind of incentivized by the PSEO funding formula to keep students in the high school. And that has a, that has a lot of uh, far-reaching effects on a student's GPA, their ability to compete for scholarships, college admissions, so on and so forth. That's the second change. The third change um, has to do with how PSEO enrollment data is reported to the state. So um, the number of PSEO students that are reported to the state is much lower than the number of students who are act- PSEO students that are actually in the state. And that's because yeah. high schools can, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of nuanced, uh, essentially high schools can create their own PSEO contracts with colleges uh, and follow a different funding formula for the PSEO program. And when they do that, they don't, aren't required to report participation rates to the Department of Education. So we know for the Minnesota State Colleges and universities in this state, uh, in 2018, I have their enrollment uh, information. They uh, more than 50 percent of all their PSEO students are PSEO by contract. And none of that, de- that data is being uh, reported to the um, Department of Education. Um, and so the third okay. change would simply say that they have to report that.
1: Yeah. And we, we have to wrap up because we're out of time. But other than just awareness, which is what we're doing here, go to Center for School Change, Google PSEO. Uh, the applications are, are closing in April. So people, kids need to apply. Uh, Joe, just in 30 seconds, what else do we need to know to wrap up?
3: Thanks very much for doing this. Uh, there's a lot more information on the People for PSEO website, including new, new research. Students can apply until May 30th, but they need to know the facts. So we really appreciate you taking the time to encourage people to go to the Center for School Change or the Minnesota Department of Education or the People for PSEO website where they can get the facts all
1: right zeke jackson and joe nathan center for school change um love having them on god that zeke is impressive man right yeah he knows
0: knows what he's talking about it (laughs) it is impressive and i think we could all agree less student debt good thing if your kid can skip a year and and skip ahead why wouldn't you do that it's just common sense hey we have an update on the uh, minneapolis teachers strike uh we'll find out where things stand right this moment next Welcome back. The Minneapolis teachers strike in its 10th day, 10th school day missed as teachers and education support professionals continue their strike over a variety of subjects, wages, mental health resources, class size caps. The district is saying that it has reached its financial limits. And we wanted an update, so we reached out to Sean Layden, ESP Chapter President with the uh, Minneapolis Federation of Teachers. Sean, great to have you with us today.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: You bet. And by the way, Sean is joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Sean, is there any good news to report? Are we, are we getting closer to a deal?
4: You no, know, I think we're, you know, we don't... We don't say that we're done until the ink is dry, but I think there's reason to be hopeful. Um, You know, we saw the uh, district over the weekend significantly increase their financial offer to our folks in our ESP chapter. There have been a lot of good conversations back and forth um, on some uh, what were sticking points in our teacher chapter um, with the district. And and, um, we haven't quite seen what we need yet, but it seems like things are getting in the right direction and conversations uh tone conversations have really changed uh so yeah i think we're we're optimistic um but of course we gotta we gotta see how we land this thing
1: okay sean we were just hearing in the news that i I guess the union said they that you have received their last best offer um first of all is that true i know you just got out of a negotiation this is why you couldn't join us like 45 minutes ago but is that true is there any more room and is that good enough
4: well, I think the, the, you know, the district is able to say that, um, you know, talk to union negotiators uh, around the country. They'll tell you that that can change over time. Um, but we definitely uh, hear where the district's at at this point. I think we're also looking at um, not just where money is going, but how it's being used. Uh, there are also some non-financial issues that uh, we still need to resolve. You know, we have uh, had a campaign uh, around um, retaining and recruiting educators of color. And one of the reasons we say educators is because our education support professionals, um, you know, we've got some issues when it comes to retaining our folks. Um, you know, half of, about half of our unit are uh, don't have seniority rights or placement rights. And when you're talking about a school district um, like Minneapolis, as large as it is, and the need for a diverse workforce in our classrooms, uh, you know, we want to make sure that folks have um, the ability, you know, if budget cuts happen at a particular building, Um, that folks have a place to land somewhere else in the district. Uh, We have plenty of openings right now. doesn't make sense for half of our unit to have uh, seniority and placement rights and the other half to not have that. That's not a financial issue. Uh, And with the amount of time that uh, we hear our district leaders talking about the need to uh, recruit and retain educators of color, uh, we want to say you know, it's time to come together and and figure that piece out as well. So I think there are a couple of pieces here that we still need to get together. But um, like I said, I'm optimistic that we're pretty close.
0: Sean, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, having living wages for teaching assistants is, is a big deal. And, I mean, for me, I, I look at the data and the average salary for a teacher in the Minneapolis school district, 71000 which is 36th in the state there are other school districts in greater minnesota that pay their teachers more or something equivalent that have a much lower cost of living than than does minneapolis can you put things into perspective for listeners and talk about what are the hot button issues it's more than just salary though but that's part of the deal right
4: Well, it is. And, you know, I think one of the things that uh, we've tried to say is that, um, you know, priority here, number one, is living wages for education support professionals. Uh, A new ESP coming into the Minneapolis schools, if you're a special ed assistant, a general ed classroom assistant, typically you're going to make about $24,000 a year. We've got to get that up. Um, Two-thirds of our members have two and three jobs. uh, And, you know, you hear from uh, Uh, licensed teachers, administrators, uh, parents and families, right? We couldn't do this without you. Uh, So there's a disconnect there. So we're pleased to see the movement uh, that the district has done so far. Um, In terms of the license chapter, that's right. Um, You know, we have fallen behind. Minneapolis was at one point, um, if not the top, one of the top paid um, teaching groups. But that really speaks to what we need to do. We've got a $9 billion surplus at the state level. Um, something's got to give over there, or we're going to continue to see um, school districts, whether it's in Minneapolis or in greater Minnesota or the suburbs, continue to have to make hard decisions, and, and our students go without what they need. I mean, you look at Minneapolis, we've got a $50 million special education cross-subsidy because we don't fully fund our special ed services that are required by law. We're probably about $15 million or so on our English language learners. So those are real issues that we've got to address what we've been saying though is with the money that we have particularly when it comes to the mental health supports that our teachers have been um, you know demanding at the bargaining table particularly when we have 159 million dollars from the federal government uh, for covid mitigation what we're saying is the trauma of the last two years because of the pandemic because of the uh, murder of george floyd the uprising that's happened And just school being so different let's really put dollars uh where the fed said we should and let's get um, those mental health supports in place whether or not we can afford to do them long term um you know that's up in the air we're going to have those conversations but we know that we can do them at least um you know over the next couple of years that we have to spend this money that the federal government has sent to us to do this very very thing now um you know, we've also made some progress in that area, and we're appreciative of that. I mean, that's important, right, guaranteeing a social worker in every building. Um, and, you know, but we'd like to see some more movement there. So those are some of the sticking points. We're also uh, very much interested. I think we're on the verge of, you know, seeing some of the most progressive language around uh, making sure that we're balancing the need to um, recruit and retain uh, teachers of color in particular um and make sure that we have a a, a stable workforce and that folks um you know we're not having an incentive to to uh use uh budget cuts to get rid of our our more experienced or or more expensive teachers when uh we have some tight budgets around the district so i think that we're very close on that um and so that's another example of of you know why i've got some optimism that we're we're close here
1: good Good. Sean, in the minute we have left, how long, how, how soon do you think this can be over? And do you have a message for parents and students in Minneapolis?
4: Yeah, you know, I think, um, like I said, we're, we're optimistic that this is close. I think um, each side uh, has to let its guard down a little bit and, and be honest and vulnerable with one another and, and say, this is what we absolutely can do and what we need. And, and I think we'll get there. I think if we have that Um, honest tone and and conversation, I think we can make a deal. And what I would say to families out in Minneapolis, we can't wait to get back. Um, But we also know that the status quo in the Minneapolis public schools is not acceptable. And and we've said this is about systemic change. And and, um, we're seeing some of that as a result of of this strike. And I think we're going to continue to push for that um, with families, with parents. We appreciate all the outpouring of support been out on the lines this morning and had lots of kids lots of families out um at different sites we were at and uh, that's great to see and we appreciate it
0: well that's that's an encouraging update and we will keep our fingers crossed for you for teachers uh for the school district itself that we can get kids back in uh in classes sean layton esp president uh chapter president with the uh, minneapolis federation of teachers thank you for the update sean
4: all right thanks
0: you bet
1: and, it's been a long road. Hopefully it's a little end soon. Oh
0: man, I hope so. Uh, a few show highlights, and you're hosting a special show about Women's History Month coming up at 6 o'clock, right? I mean, I I want yes, to awesome. hear more about that when Got we it. come back. So I have questions. Coming mm-hmm. up at uh, 6.30, the Women's History six Month. O'clock. 6 o'clock. T- oh, at mm-hmm.
1: 6.00. 608, right after the news. 608, right Mm -hmm. after CBS. Mm -hmm.
0: Tell us about that. Vanita was part of this. Who else participated, Jor?
1: This was so fun. It was the women of CCO. So yes, of course, Vanita, myself, uh, Shaletta, Susie, and Laura Oaks. So the five of us uh, sat down. Uh, This was a brainchild of our boss, Brad. And we each picked a topic that was near and dear to our hearts. And we talked. And it was, Paul, when I say it was like therapy, I love these women. You know, I, I've been here at CCO now, ten. in June it'll be 10 years. And wow. these are incredibly hardworking, caring, supportive, just um, truth-tellers. And it was so great. And we, we all, of course, have relationships with each other, but it was so fun. I can't believe we haven't done it before, to sit down in honor of Women's History Month, although we could have done it, we should we should do it on a monthly or quarterly basis, and just talk about what's important to us. Like, for example, um, it, we we tried to focus on, you know, women's equity equity topics. So sure. Susie picked equal pay. So, you know, I, I told the story about how you and I, when we got hired to do the afternoon show, we negotiated together to get, to to get equal pay. And what? you know, I uh, wait, yeah, what? It was great.
0: What? Back up back back that <laughs> was, ship up. What?
1: It was a great yeah, story. No. And you can see that at Twitter at your data WCCO. Yeah. Uh, and WCCO, of course, is tweeting that out. And, and I picked, um, you know, illness at work, when you have an illness, and that got into family medical leave when, when you have an illness, right. how do you manage that? You know, you're, you're fighting to stay alive. And yet you also want to do good work, you don't want to be phoning it in. You want to be a, a member of the team. You want to be contributory. So so how do you balance that? And how can workplaces be more, um, you know, I mean, CC has been way, amazing. Nobody been nobody amazing.
0: on the planet has done that better than you have for the last year and a half, Jordana. You have never phoned well, it in. You always bring your A game, even when you're hurting. You are the definition of playing injured. Uh, I'm you proud of that. you. I'm Again, I'm heartbroken for what you have to go through in your family, but um, you're you're getting it done, sure.
1: So, so we talked about that. We shared about that. Uh, it was just an amazing. You know, women uh, or Vanita picked mentor mentorship, you know, women mentoring women, and, and some of us came up through TV. And that was a super challenge. I mean, Paul, you came up through TV, you know, as a woman in TV, certainly in in the 90s, and the early 2000s, it, it was way more. I mean, it's, it's competitive. It, com- competition is a good thing. But it was cutthroat, man. You yeah. know, we told stories of how women in the makeup room would say to each other, I'm after your job. And you know, like, I mean, that that's happened to all of us. And that used <laughs> really? to be a real thing. Oh, yeah. And and now, we're yeah, now we're older and wiser. And I think women are just so much better at lifting each other up mm-hmm. and supporting each other. And even I mean, that got back to the equal pay. You know, we are we got to start telling each other uh, how much we make. And I mean, I certainly do that if a young mentee calls me and says, Hey, what should I ask for? What should I do this? Well, here's my salary. Let's let's take the stigma out of that let's start getting women paid what they're worth or at least equality you know with with men so it's a fascinating conversation it's literally in in 10 minutes from now so please just stay tuned to cco and you can hear us all chime in and it was fun to be with the women for for a while
0: it's on the odyssey app too right if people want to listen to that Mm -hmm. or send it to a a friend a loved one
1: Mm -hmm. hey i'll be tuned
0: in thank you jor good job today let's try it again tomorrow Thank you. Be safe out there. God bless.